Welcome to the Victory of Albany podcast. That's right, the Victory of Albany, located at 3250 Sylvester Road with the great and wonderful Pastor Eddie Adams. Look, I mean, the message that's coming through on this podcast will bless you. I mean, I need y'all to make sure to also follow us on Facebook at Victory of Albany and also subscribe to the Victory of Albany YouTube page. Man, it will bless you. I'm telling you, it will. Victory of Albany podcast. We're going to do something a little bit different this morning. I want you to uh, remember how we used to take our Bibles out and we used to open our Bibles and read the word. Can we get back into doing that today? Take your Bible and look over to Acts chapter five. Turn to Acts chapter five. Those of you online, join us too. If you're physically able, I want you to take your Bible and I want you to stand today in reverence to the reading of the word. In just a moment, I'm going to come back and we're going to highlight a couple of these uh, portions of scripture, but I want us to read it out loud together. Okay. If you find your place, everybody stand. If you're physically able, if you're not, just stay where you're at. But I want us to read it out loud. Somebody say out loud. That means you can't just think it in your mind, right? So uh, I need somebody to be a row captain of every row. I, want, I need you to just assume that, that position. Sometimes in church, we want positions. I'm giving you a position now. Will you look down your row and assume the position of row captain and say, we all going to read this out loud, right? Amen. Amen. All right. So you guys ready? Join us online also. Let's begin. Let's read Acts chapter 5, verses 12 through 18. Ready? Read. And by the hands of the apostles were many signs and wonders wrought among the people. And they were all with one accord in Solomon's porch. And of the rest durst no man join himself to them, but the people magnified them. And believers were the more added to the Lord, multitudes, both of men and women, insomuch that they brought forth the sick into the streets and laid them on beds and couches, that at the least the shadow of Peter passing by might overshadow some of them. And there came also a multitude out of the cities around about unto Jerusalem, bringing sick folk and them which were vexed with unclean spirits, and they were healed every one. Everyone, everyone. Then the high priest rose up and all that they were with him, which is the sect of the Sadducees, and were filled with indignation. Now, another word for that is envy. They were envious. Verse 18, and laid their hands on the apostles and put them in the common prison. Now, I want us to emphasize two verses of Scripture, and we're going to put them on the screen right there before we pray. And these verses are verses 12 and verse 18. Let's read verse 12 out loud again. Ready, read. And by the hands of the apostles were many signs and wonders wrought among the people, and they were all with one accord in Solomon's form. Can you imagine the, the powerful expression of worship and praise as they came together in unity, and even as they prayed and they ministered to others, and the Bible said they were all healed and delivered, right? So everybody shout hallelujah. hallelujah. Now let's go to verse 18. Ready, read and laid their hands on the apostles and put them in the common prison. Father, we thank you for your word today in your presence. And God, we pray that you would be with us. Let us become more aware of who you are and what you have for us in our lives. In Jesus' name, and everybody said amen. 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 You can be seated. I want to talk today for a little while on the subject, walking in apostolic power. Walking in apostolic power power. Have you ever thought to yourself, I wish we were living in the days of the apostles? Have you ever had that thought? And have you ever kind of thunk to yourself, you know, in the days of the apostles, there were miracles and signs and wonders. The power of the Holy Spirit was falling. People were being baptized in power. The lame were walking. The deaf were hearing. The blind were seeing. Those must have been glorious days. Have you ever thought about that? Have you ever been in a small group class or a Sunday school class and you heard somebody say, you know, I wish I would have lived back then. I wish I could have experienced that. Are you listening to me? You know, and really, truly, full disclosure, honesty is the best policy, right? I have thought that way before in my life. 
I've had those very same thoughts when I would read about these incredible signs, wonders, and miracles, when I would read about the incredible things that God would do through the hands of the apostles and those early believers in the early church. Man, incredible things. Tremendous things where literally whole cities would be shaken to their knees by the power of God. And I thought to myself, why don't we see things like that today like they did then? Hmm? I've had those very same thoughts. I've said, Lord, what, what it must have been like to have lived during the days of the apostles and to have seen the miraculous supernatural power of God working and manifesting through the lives of your apostles and your disciples. And I thought about the very introduction of the Holy Spirit on the day of Pentecost as the baptizer in Acts chapter two, when he, when he comes and he baptizes his people, not just with wind from heaven, not, not just with, with, with tongues, but at cloven tongues, like as a fire, somebody say fire. I mean, literally tongues of fire setting upon their heads. Now I know for you, that's probably an everyday occurrence around your house. I know for you, when you come to church, you probably see stuff like that all the time, right? Right. And the Bible says when that happened, they go forth with tongues of fire, witnessing to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ with great power and authority. You see, Peter, when he preached on the day of Pentecost, he said, look, this that you are seeing us experience in our life is what God promised he was gonna do through the prophet Joel. Peter said, this is just a witness and a testimony that Jesus Christ, whom you crucified, whom you killed on the cross, whom you left for dead, that same Jesus Christ has been resurrected in power and because he resurrected from the grave, you and I can be resurrected from sin and bondage and shackles of chains in our life and we can be made whole. I mean, it must have been glorious. It must have been glorious. It must have been amazing. And I got to admit, I have thought to myself, I sure would have loved to have lived in the days of the apostles. But to be honest about it, I really, at that time in my life, I really didn't fully and completely and accurately process the information that I had. Because see, a lot of times we can read the word and not understand it. We can hear the word, but not really hear it. We can have eyes, but not see, ears and not hear. And our understanding sometimes is not unlocked to the point of where we really can process it the way God wants us to process it in our lives. You say, Pastor Eddie, what do you really mean by that? Well. What I mean is all the information, somebody look at your neighbor and touch him and say, all the information you need. All the information is right there in your hands, in your Bible, in the book of Acts. We're talking about walking in apostolic power. You want to know about apostolic power? Go to the book of Acts. The book of Acts is not just the book of Acts. If you read the full title of it, it is the book of the Acts of the Apostles of those whom God used to establish the early church. Hello? All the information is right there in the book of Acts, but I only saw for me at that time of my life what was comfortable and what was exciting. When I was young in the Lord and I was really seeking God about these things, I was only seeing what was comfortable, what was new, what was exciting. I was only seeing the fact that, hey, guess what, man? They got together. There was this incredible experience and people got healed and people got delivered and all of these things happened. Hallelujah. Man, we ought to be having a party all the time. I know that's never been you, but I was excited about it. But here's my problem. I didn't see the persecution isn't it amazing how we block stuff out sometimes? Isn't it amazing how we see what we want to see and we hear what we want to hear? We take the good 
Number one, leave the bad. We take the easy, but we want to forget about the hard. Huh? See, at that point in that place in my life, at that time, I didn't see the persecution and the hostility that was going on that was raging at that time in the book of Acts against the church. I didn't see the intensity of the anger and the hatred for the message of the gospel and toward those who carried it. But now when I look at the book of Acts, I see things differently. I see things much differently. Now I understand that the apostles, as much as they were highly anointed and favored and used by God, they were, watch this, equally hated and persecuted because of their faith. And what I've learned to discover is that in life, Robin, if you're going to be greatly anointed and favored and used by God, then you are also in your life going to be equally hated and persecuted because of your faith and because of the trust that you put in the Lord Jesus Christ. I'm going to let that sink just for a minute. But to their credit, these apostles, these disciples, these followers of Christ, in the face of all that persecution, in the face of all that hate, in the face of all that was coming against them, the, the, the hatred and the, and the persecution, they were bold and they were aggressive and they were faithful to the calling and to the ministry. It would have been easy for them to walk away. It would have been easy for them to give up when things got tough particularly when things got tough for them. When things got hard at their lot number, at their house, when things were coming against them. You see, it's so easy for us to have all these words of wisdom for everybody else when we're not experiencing what they're going through. But you let that devil come knock on my door. You let that devil come knock on your door. Sometimes you find that the same uh, godly wisdom that you gave somebody else, all of a sudden it flies out the window and you forget everything else you told somebody else. Because now you all up in your drama and all up in your emotion and all up in the persecution because now they after you. Now the hounds of hell are trying to track you down and chase you down. I can't get much. Somebody said, I thought this was supposed to be a celebration today. <laughs> well, just hang on. Just hang on. Now I said all of that to say this. I believe that we are living now in apostolic days. As a matter of fact, I don't believe that we ever should have left the apostolic days. I don't believe that we ever have really left the apostolic days. Somebody thought we did and shared that experience and that expression with somebody else. And you know how you, usually bad news travels faster than good news. And somebody took it and run with it because there came a time just like it was with, with, with Joseph. The Bible says, uh, Monique, that, that, that there came a time when, when the people did not know Joseph or the God of Joseph. So there came a time when miracles and signs of wonders were not really happening like they did in the early church. And so what we developed in the church was this cop-out mentality that, well, it all died with the apostles. They needed it then more than we need it now. Well, what you going to do with Mark 16? Where Jesus said, these signs shall follow them that believe. In my name, they will cast out devils. They will lay hands on the sick. They will speak in other tongues. Huh? And if they drink any deadly thing, it shall not harm them. They'll tread upon scorpions and serpents and over all the power of the enemy. See, what we need to do in the church, now in our day, 
Now, in their day, let me back it up. In their day, there was this thing where the kings and the leaders and really the, the rich and the influential people had people that were their cupbearers. In other words, they tasted their food. They tasted because the way of one of the, one of the most uh, 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 frequent and successful ways of, of taking somebody out, your opponent or somebody you didn't like, wasn't to go in the house and shoot them. Back then, it was to poison them. Okay. You can just imagine how detrimental it would have been in that day to be a Christian, a believer, a child of God, going about upsetting the, the, the natural order of things and upsetting the apple carts coming into your house or coming into your, to your neighborhood, coming into your city and turning things upside down for God. Can you imagine what kind of problems that created for the world system and the devil's crowd? So people around them would have been very motivated to take them out. And so what the word is speaking there in that situation is very particular. If you drink any deadly thing, look, you ain't got to worry about what, what you eat or what you drink. God says, I've got you covered because it's not going to kill you. It's not going to take you out because of the power of God that's working in your life. Ain't nobody going to help me. But see, we need to translate that down to when we live today because there's a lot of people in the church and we've been drinking the poison of the world. We've been drinking the poison of the world's system. We've been drinking the poison of the world's ways. We've been talking, we've been listening to too many of these talking analysts and heads on the news trying to tell us what we should think, how we should live, and how we should act. We have got away from the word. We have got away from the truth. We have got away from God's principles and his power working in our life. And now we want to go out and we want to pray and we want to lay hands on somebody and we don't have power enough to heal a gnat or to raise a flea from the dead. Is, are you listening to me? The problem is not with God. The problem is with us. We need to stop drinking the poison of this world. We need to stop drinking the poison of doubt, fear, and unbelief. We need to try to stop drinking the poison of this world that tries to bring division and strife, tries to challenge your identity and who you are in Jesus Christ, tries to cut at the very core of our society and of our culture that was established and raised up in a principle according to God's word. Come on, somebody. I wish I had a little help today. We need to begin to rise up in that power and authority of Christ and make up in our mind that we are still living in apostolic days in our life. But if we want what they had, we're going to have to pay the price that they were willing to pay. Mm -hmm. They ain't done nothing for you anyway and they ain't going to do anything for you. But see, see now, 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 when I look at the book of Acts, I, I see it, I see it differently. I believe that we're living now in apostolic days. Or as I should say, in days such as the apostles lived in. You really look at the landscape of things in the book of Acts. And you look at the landscapes of things in our world today. Times have changed, but things have remained pretty much the same. To be a Christian in that day, you were persecuted. You were hated. You were mocked. You were ridiculed. You were made fun of. They tried to make out like you were crazy. Like you didn't have any sense. Like you were a heretic. Like you were demon possessed. I know what I'm talking about. Honey, I've been called everything but a child of God by people. Since I've been your pastor, I've been called the son of Beelzebub by people that I had to correct and deal with according to scripture and according to the word. My, my response was, well, I guess it takes one to know one. I'm just going to tell you like it is. It just might as well just go ahead. <laughs> Sticks and stones may break my bone, but the truth I learned a long time ago will bounce. The, if, if it's not truth, it will bounce off, to, off of me and right back to you. Return to cinder, baby. That's what I call return to cinder. Isn't that what the Bible teaches? Look, don't worry about who you bless. If you bless somebody that don't set on them, it's going to bounce back on you. Come on. But here's my concern. My concern, and this may become a two-part Look, look at your neighbor and say, my pastor's got a few concerns today. 
my concern is that though we are living in days of apostolic persecution, we are not living in apostolic power. There's the problem. Somebody say it out loud with me. Say, there's the problem. When you look at the landscape then and the landscape now, we've got so many people having an identity crisis today. And our systems, our educational systems, our medical, our, our, our health systems, all, all of these things are kind of reinforcing the ideas that are luring and drawing our young people away from their identity and who God created them to be. Trying to deport, what they're trying to do, what these folks are trying to do, they're trying to, to undermine and destroy the very foundation and the fabric. If they can take out our younger generation, they can destroy America. If they can take out the younger generation of the church, they can destroy the church. That's what their mentality is. And it's not a game. It's for real. It's for real. People wanting to, adult people wanting to talk to three and four year olds about sex. If I was a mom and daddy and I had a child, not over my dead body. They used to put people in jail for that. Huh? And we're going to turn around and give people the okay and the license to talk to children about sex and about sex change and about all of this mess? No. We don't need just to sit around and, 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 and let some things go. There's some hills worth fighting for. There's some convictions we need to have and we need to stand firm on in the church of Jesus Christ. Things like abortion. Things like confrontation with the LGBT. T B Q P E X Y Z. And look, guys, we love everybody. We love everybody. But just because I love you doesn't mean I agree with you. And just because I disagree with you doesn't mean I hate you. You have the imprint, you have the very likeness of God in your life, whatever life you, you choose to live. You may distort it, you may pervert it, you may, you may do everything opposed to what God originally intended for your life, but guess what? You still are God's creation. And we're going to love you here at Victory Tabernacle. We're going to love you, but we're going to tell you the truth. And we're going to preach the truth in love. We are not here. We are not here to condemn you. We are here to lift up the name of Jesus. We are here to preach the truth and to preach God's word. In love. But we are living, we are living in apostolic days, but we are not operating in apostolic power. We're not moving in apostolic power. This is my genuine concern today. The apostles lived under the continual threat of persecution, but the apostles also lived in the power of the Holy Ghost and the power of the Spirit. And my concern is that we in days of apostolic persecution against the church, but the church is not moving in apostolic power. 
We are trying to walk in anointing and we're trying to walk in the power of God. We're trying to walk in that favor of God and the blessings of God and the goodness of God. We're trying to do all of that, but we're trying to live off the strength of yesterday's manna. We're trying to do it our way, not God's way. And I'm gonna say something right here that I believe with all of my heart. I believe that, that in as, as much as the church is beginning to experience more and more persecution and hostility against it, it is also going to be used by God as a catalyst for good, for righteousness, to ignite the church of Jesus Christ and to get us back to apostolic power to get us back to operating in the power of the Holy Ghost, to get us back to operating in the power of the Holy Spirit. What I believe we're beginning to see and experience, and look, there's a lot of stuff over these last couple of years need to be in our rearview mirror. And what we need to understand is there are people out there that are looking for the truth. There are people out there that are looking for what is real. There are people out there that are tired of dead religion. They're tired of tradition. They're tired of bondage. They're tired of yesterday's manna and they want something fresh and they want something real and they want something that will shake the chains from their life that will set them free and deliver them, that will heal them and make them whole that will break the chains of perversion that will break the grips of pornography and alcohol and drugs and all types of vices from their life they're drowning they're dying and they're going to hell but they're looking for somebody who will stand up somebody who will rise up who will believe that God still has the power to break the bands of homosexuality from a person's life who believes that God still has the power to set every captive free, not just some captives, not just this person, not just that person, but still has the power not just to heal somebody in church on Sunday morning, but can heal everybody at Phoebe Putney Hospital and that can go down at Thomasville and bring everybody out of that hospital down there for people who are dealing with mental illness and mental problems in their life who can heal everybody not just somebody but anybody who will call on the name of the Lord our God. I wish somebody would lift your hands and shout it to God with a voice of triumph right now. And I don't know about y'all, but honey, I'm still hungry. After 33 years, I still believe God has a plan for this church. I believe God has a plan for this life. I believe that God has a plan for your life and for this house. I want us to be that apostolic church. I want us to be that apostolic people in Albany and in Southwest Georgia who still believe God's got power. who believes he's got all power. But here's the question. Here's the question. How are we gonna get back to the apostolic power? How are we gonna get back? Well, I believe the answer is very simple, although the path is not. And that kind of sounds, let me say it again, I believe, the, I, I believe the answer is simple, although the path is not, right? We have to go the same route as the early church, as the apostles and those early believers that God used to turn the world upside down or right side up. It all starts in that little upper room where 120 men and women were recognized the immensity of the work before them and understanding their inability to accomplish it in their own human strength and ability. They set themselves as Jesus had commanded and directed them to pray and seek God in that little upper room. 
and crying out in faith for the promise of power from on high. That's exactly what Jesus told them to do. He said, before you do anything, this was his last message. Before you do anything that I have shown you and taught you. And this is the same Jesus who in John 14, 12 told them. He said, look, they were talking about all the great things, Doug, that they saw Jesus do. He healed the sick. He raised the dead. He set captives free. And they were talking about, Jesus said, hey, you think that's something. Even greater things than those things that you saw me do, you're going to do because I go to the Father. So he's getting ready to go back to the Father. And so he sets it in order. He said, before you step out and begin to try to do any of that stuff that I've already told you you're going to do, before you do it, go to that upper room and you wait. to be endued with power. Somebody say endued with power. Reach over and touch your neighbor and say, be endued with power from on high. Can I tell you, we need an upper room experience. We need an upper room experience. See, sadly, in the Pentecostal church, I'm talking about us, right? Sadly, in the Pentecostal church, we want a day of Pentecost experience. Without an upper room experience. We want a day of Pentecost celebration, should I say, without an upper room experience. We want the party to be on. We want the Holy Ghost to fall. We come to church, we don't even want the preacher to preach. We want the Holy Ghost to fall. We want the power of God to move. We want people to be touched. And usually when that happens, that means we get to leave early. So even so come Holy Spirit. Do it now. Because you know if you're a true Pentecostal preacher, you're going to preach about an hour. We want that day of Pentecost experience because we want the tongues and we want the drunk in the Holy Ghost. We want all of that. but are we willing to have an upper room experience in order to have a day of Pentecost outpouring? Call it, go help me. See, before Jesus left, he told them, this is over in Acts chapter one, verse eight. He told them that they would receive power from on high after, somebody say after, after the Holy Ghost came upon them. And then back in, in Luke 24, 49, it, he, he told them, he said, tarry in Jerusalem until you be endued with power from on high. Now here's what Jesus knew that they did not know. And, but we would do well to learn. Mary, Jesus knew the work before them, the assignment that he had for them, the purpose in him coming to this earth to give his life and to establish his kingdom in this earth. Jesus knew that before them, the work that was before them was going to require supernatural power. Because Jesus knew, according to Ephesians 6, 12, Gloria, he knew that their battle was not against flesh and blood. You know why that we have so often failed miserably in the church of Jesus Christ to combat evil? It's because we have approached it like we are wrestling with flesh and blood. But our battle is not against flesh and blood. The Bible said the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but they are mighty through God to the pulling down of every stronghold. You can't love an addict into getting free. 
You can't shame an addict into getting free. Because you've got to deal with that spirit. And they got to want to be free. They got to want to be whole. Jesus knew that their battle in ours was going to be not against people, but it was going to be against spiritual wickedness in high places against demons and principalities and powers, the forces and the rulers of darkness. Jesus also knew that the baptism of the Holy Ghost and fire would equip them for the battle and this spiritual warfare. And as they came together in one place and in one accord to contend in prayer for the promised power from on high, Bible scholars say that they were there for 10 days pleading for power. That's what Jesus said. You go, Terry, you wait there until you be endued with what? He didn't say somebody's going to bring you a picnic dinner. No, he said, you go, Terry, you wait for power. And see, we can't miss that because the enemy of your soul, the, 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 the prince of the power of the air of this world in which we live in wants you to seek everything that God has for you except the power of God. He had rather you seek the blessings instead of the power. He'd rather we seek favor instead of the power. Because he knows that God through Jesus did not just send us the power to receive it and to sit on our hands and play tiddlywinks. There was a reason he wanted us to have power. That's what Jesus said they would receive and that's what they were contending for. Power from on high. Then suddenly, the Bible says, after they were there 10 days, the answer came. Suddenly, the answer came. Suddenly, heaven responded to earth. And the same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead came rushing out of their belly like a mighty wind. And it filled all the house where they were sitting. Now watch this. The might of heaven, the strength of God, the mighty Holy Ghost came suddenly upon them, set upon them as cloven tongues of fire. It filled every one of them until they began to speak with other tongues as the Holy Spirit gave them utterance. It's in your Bible. It's in your Bible. Suddenly they were endued with power, with a supernatural power from on high. They were not moving in the weakness of human flesh any longer. They were moving by the power of the spirit that created the universe. He was now living inside of them, resting not just upon them, but in them and flowing through them like a river of not just water, but a river of life-giving, living water. And hear me now, hear me please. This is where we must come back to. We got to come back to Jesus' first words concerning their baptism of this power that he had promised. He said, go to Jerusalem and tarry there. Here's the word, until. Until. Somebody say that word with me, until. Until. That's what he said. He said, it's in your Bible. Go to Jerusalem and tarry there until. Pastor, how long is it going to take? Until. When's God going to move? Until. When God's going to show up? Until. We're going to see an explosion of his power? Until. 
That's his word. It's not my word until. How long is until? I know you, I know you want to ask that. How long is until? Write this down big and bold. Until is as long as it takes. When he told them to go to that upper room, they didn't know it was going to be 10 days like we do looking back. He just said, go until you be, until you be endued with power from on high. What does the power going to look like? They had no idea what the power is going to look like. But when the power of God shows up, you don't have to wonder, was that it? Our issue is not that we should be over here in the corner trying to figure out what God's power is going to look like when it comes. We need to be there until it comes. Committed until it comes. Faithful until it comes. Steadfast until it comes. Immovable until it comes. Believing and trusting God until there is a sound from heaven and until God moves in our lives and in our midst because honey, when God moves, you will know it's God. When God moves, there will be no doubt that it is God and it's not flesh. As long as it takes. Look at somebody and say, as long as it takes. As long as it takes. I got to go to the house. This is going to be a two-parter probably. But let me just throw this out to you. Until is not just until, however. It is until and unto. Until and unto. Because God never leaves you open-ended. God's always got a plan. So the until of God will lead you to the unto of God. Y'all catch that tomorrow. It is until, look at your neighbor and say, neighbor, it's until and unto. Now look him in the eye, look him in the eye and say, neighbor, you need to understand, God ain't into leaving you where you're at right now. Because God's taking you unto something. And in order to get you to unto something, he may have to undo some things in your life. He may have to unlock some stuff in your life. As a matter of fact, I've got a series I'm going to be doing probably right after the first of the year now called Unlocked. There's some things. If, in order for, for God to get you to that place where his power can flow into your life, you got to wait on him until, but there's some things that God will get you unto because he's trying to get some stuff undone in your life. You remember the story? Of Isaiah, he said, in the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord high and lifted up in his train, filled the temple. We want to we, we wanna all shout on that part. But when, then when the Lord spoke to him, he said, woe is me, I am a man of unclean lips. You know what the Bible said about Isaiah? Isaiah was undone. Isaiah became undone. Isaiah had, had no more recourse. He had no more recompense. He had nothing that he could fall back on. He was just undone before God. See, until we get undone before God, we're never going to come into what it is that God has planned and what God has prepared for. I'm trying to teach somebody today. I said, until, until we get undone before God, we're never going to be able to come into what God has for us and walk in that supernatural power like God desires. That's the reason God had to send them to the upper room that's the reason he had to send them to a place where they could get by themselves and begin to cry out to God and call out to God because there was a whole lot of things that had to go on in them before they got in unity, before they got in one place and one accord. It was one thing to get them in one place. It was a whole nother thing for them to get in one accord into that place where now all of a sudden ain't nobody worried about who's getting the credit. Ain't nobody worried about who's going to do this or who, who, who was going to do that they were just in one place in one accord and then there came a sound from heaven and God began until we are willing to humble ourselves under the mighty hand of God until we are willing to die to self until we are willing to be at that place where John the John the Baptist was at where he said hey, there's one coming after me that he is I'm not even able to unlatch his shoes but he told his followers he said look you've been following me now you got to 
follow him because I'm not even worthy. There's one greater coming after me. Anybody? He said, I need to decrease in order that he might increase. You want to get to what God has for you? Then the first step is you're going to have to humble yourself under the mighty hand of God and you're going to have to get to a place of the until where God can get you to the unto where God can undo some stuff in your life and break every chain and break every bondage and break every stronghold and clean you up, take away from you the weights and the sin that so easily besets you and sets you free in every way. It's until and unto, until the heavens open, until our weakness is clothed with his strength, until the fire God sets upon us and sets us on fire, until our tongues speak by divine power and utterance and authority. Somebody shout until. Somebody shout until. They waited until. They waited until God moved. They waited until God poured out his spirit. They waited until the anointing they waited until they were in unity over their faith. They waited until God moved, until God showed up. They waited. Somebody say they waited. I promise you I'm going to house, but let me just tell you this about waiting. Waiting is a lost art today. We live in a microwave age. We want everything on time, our time. And that means first and it means fast. See, the Holy Spirit could have rushed as soon as they got to the upper room. The Holy Spirit could have come then, but he didn't. He didn't. He could have come the minute they all got in that upper room and somebody shut the door. But there's something important that takes place in the waiting. In the waiting, motives are exposed. In the waiting, attitudes are corrected. In the waiting, hunger is increased. In the waiting, the lukewarm and half-hearted are sifted out. In the waiting, the sin can no longer hide. Waiting increases our capacity to receive. Waiting is the way God prepares us to receive. Some of y'all sitting in this room today, some of y'all listening online, you're in a season of waiting right now and you've been wondering, Lord, how long am I gonna have to wait? You're gonna have to wait until and unto. Because unless you wait until God moves, you're gonna abort what it is that God has prepared for you. And the willingness to wait reveals the value that you place on what you're waiting for. The greater value that you place on something, the longer you're willing to wait for it and persevere for it and to seek God for it. Can I tell you today, I hear the, I hear the Holy Spirit, and we're going to go ahead and close this thing down. I'll pick it up next week. But I hear the Holy Spirit saying, it's time for the church to get back to the upper room. It's time for the people of God to get in the receiving posture again. It's time for, for us to position ourselves before God as the early church did with the same until attitude. Whatever it takes. Whatever it takes. Tarry until the power comes. Wait until the power comes. Until and unto in Genesis 32, Jacob had that until disposition. As he wrestled with the angel of the Lord, the angel said, let me go, the day breaks. And Jacob said, I won't let you go until you bless me. 
That's where we need to come back to. I won't let you go until you bless me, God. Until you pour your spirit out upon me. Until you clothe me with power from on high. Until you fill me with your spirit. Until you consume me with holy fire in my life. I believe the reason we're experiencing so little apostolic power in our hour, in our age, is because. There's so little apostolic praying and apostolic waiting and apostolic staying in the face of God in this hour that we're living in. But when the church comes back to apostolic praying, then we'll get back to the apostolic power. We'll get back to that holy fire. We'll get back where we're willing to get along with God and begin to cry out to God and begin to call on Him. Well, we'll begin to pray, Lord, set a fire down in my soul. Consume me with your holy fire. Consume me with your presence, Lord. God, I want your power. God, I want the anointing. I want your ability, God, to be your witness in the earth. But God, more than that, I want you, Lord. I want you. I want everything you are. I want everything you are. I don't care about what you have. I want who you are, God. I want who you are. And when the church of Jesus Christ comes back to that apostolic experience of where we're not satisfied with being like the Baptist, we're not satisfied with being like the Presbyterians, we're not satisfied with being like the contemporaries, we're not satisfied, but we want more wrong because if you saved you saved you're on your way to heaven but if there's more in this earth realm I want it I love my Baptist brothers I love my Presbyterian brothers I, I love I love my Episcopalian brothers my Methodist brothers but as for me I want more I want more do you want more of God do you want more to him you want that holy fire in your life, are you willing then? Are you willing then to come aside? Are you willing to commit yourself unto God in a whole new way, in a whole new dimension in your life where you are willing to come aside and you're willing to wait until, until God moves in your life the way he did in that early church? See, it was not just those 12 apostles that he worked through. There were others. There was Stephen. There was Philip. There were all these others that went out. And the Bible said the reason so many of the Christians and the believers were sawn asunder and they were taken into the Roman Colosseum and they were killed and crucified upside down, they were going around doing the exact same thing they saw the apostles do. So don't let the devil trick you into believing it was only just a select few. This thing we're a part of, it's an inclusive fellowship. It's not a secretive club. God has more for us in our